The Chicago Bears sent all of their top decision makers to the Ohio State Pro Day yesterday so they could get a first-hand look at Justin Fields' former teammates that they might draft this year. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. On the show today, we take some time to get to better know some of the top draft prospects this year from Ohio State that were college teammates of Justin Fields and that a large contingency of Chicago Bears coaches, scouts, executives, etc. all went to go see in person at the Pro Day. It's a good excuse for us to get to know some options for the ninth overall pick especially, but also a few guys that might go a little bit later that fit at positions of need for the Chicago Bears. So we'll we'll get to the the big time headliners and we'll wrap up with a couple of guys that haven't quite gotten as much attention. But at the Ohio State Pro Day, of course, you know, every team goes to almost every major Pro Day and every team will sometimes send extra people to the bigger pro days that they are attending. But the Bears really sent out the full cavalry to Columbus, Ohio yesterday. It included Ryan Poles, Assistant General Manager Ian Cunningham, Head Coach Matt Eberflus, Offensive Coordinator Luke Getze, Defensive Coordinator Alan Williams, Offensive Line Coach Chris Morgan, Defensive Line Coach Travis Smith, and then their Midwest or one of their Midwest area scouts, Ryan Cavanaugh. Now, yeah, usually it's Cavanaugh who goes to all the Midwest schools, and then maybe occasionally you'll send a position coach if there's a group that you really want them to get some firsthand looks at, and maybe just maybe, you know, your GM will stop by when it's important. But this is your top coaches, your top executives, and a couple of position coaches. It is a full arsenal of Bears decision makers to see the likes of Jackson Smith and Jiba, to see Paris Johnson, to see Dewan Jones, to see what eight or 10 different Ohio State Buckeyes were all there in attendance. Of course, CJ Stroud was also throwing in that game or at this practice, but you know, not, not no longer a possibility even for the Chicago Bears with the number nine overall pick. But I think it's important to get to know these prospects, not only because they're on the board as potential options, at least some of them for the ninth overall pick, but they're also Justin Fields' teammates. So the Bears are going to have a certain extra level of intel from their own players being able to be like, hey, I remember what this guy was like in the locker room. I remember his practice habits. I remember all this stuff about him and can kind of give them more information about the human being underneath the helmet to better inform whether it's the right fit for this team to draft. Let's start with the headliner. I think the one that you're seeing more and more Bears fans get excited about the possibility of drafting with the ninth overall pick. Really, two of them have been uh, the top dogs there, but let's start with Jackson Smith and Jiba, the wide receiver. He barely played in 2022. He had some hamstring injuries and played like essentially like 60 total snaps all season. He's 
was kind of you know just in and out of lineup and couldn't really stay healthy and on the field. He didn't run a 40-yard dash at the combine, so the pro day was kind of the time to see him run routes and work out and be you know part of this pre-draft evaluation process. Prior to this past season, though, as a sophomore in 2021, super productive, like better than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson levels of like efficiency as as a player. Like he was an explosive dominant playmaker for Ohio State two years ago. And then, of course, three years ago, his freshman year, he was catching passes from Justin Fields. But in that Ohio State offense, he was almost purely a slot receiver. It was over 80% of his snaps, as routes run, I should say, came out of the slot. And you look at sort of the, the areas of the field that his routes took him to, he does his damage over the middle of the field. You hardly ever saw him run a route outside of the numbers, unless it was like in the flats as like a check down, but certain nothing downfield and outside the numbers. If it's under five yards, so go outside the numbers. Otherwise it's the middle of the field between the hashes, especially in co- the wider college hashes, but can work his way vertically that way as well. He's not, not just an underneath receiver, but more so works over the middle of the field, largely out of the slot. He is a great route runner. He is incredibly smart as a wide receiver. He's a smooth route runner. He's fluid. He's quick. He gets in and out of his cuts without having to slow down very much, and he's savvy. He knows how to set up a cornerback and not let him know where I'm going to go on my route. And with you know, he can fake him out, fool him out, and make sure that I'm going to cut in a certain direction, and this cornerback is going to have no idea until I'm already three yards away from him because I moved in and out of my break that quickly and didn't let him know where I was going to go. He's also decently strong for a six foot, 200 ish pound, little under wide receiver for a slot receiver. Like he's got some strength in the lower half that he he stays upright, right? He's got strong legs. So he doesn't just, you know, arm tackles are not going to bring this guy down. You have to hit him to get him down. It's not that he's like the most elusive wide receiver ever invented, but he is, he is elusive and doesn't go down very easily. The kind of the, the, the weak, the weakness or the downside here is that he doesn't have top end speed. You know, we finally saw him run the 40 yard dash. He ran a four, four, eight. That's not terrible, but that's kind of what we expected, right? It's not He's not a fast wide receiver, but he's not a slow wide receiver. He, he's not the guy who's going to catch the ball and outrun everyone downfield for 70 yards after the catch. He's also, you know, at, at six foot, 200 pounds, he's not a vertical jump ball type of guy. He's not a throw it up and let him go up and come down with it in a contested catch in, in that type of way, but he's super dependable, super reliable. So there's a lot of value there as just a reliable go-to option, largely out of the slot. He says he can play outside and do more. Maybe he can. We, we still need to see more of that, but it makes you wonder, okay, then how how early do you draft a guy who you know can be a very good slot receiver with a really high floor? Maybe the ceiling question mark, but we've seen like Cooper Cup have, you know, lead the NFL in receiving yards. So like a really good, smart, route running, dependable slot receiver can be like number one receiver in the NFL production if he's in the right scheme and in the right system and get the right amount of volume to do so. Other comparisons, we've seen Julian Edelman, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, is just guys who are reliable and can be big-time playmakers for your offense, and that's valuable. And There's no question he's worth a first-round pick. Some evaluators, I think, question, is he the best wide receiver in the draft then? Do other receivers have a higher ceiling? And then how early do you do you take a player like this that does have the high, very high floor and still has a ceiling that he can reach, but maybe it's not quite... And he's never going to be the six foot four true outside number one type receiver, but that's okay. Like he's still very good. And I think still worthwhile with the number nine overall pick. It's a question of depending on who's on the board, will he be the best player available or not? I think there are some scenarios where he is and some scenarios where he's not. There are also some scenarios where offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. is 
maybe the best player available or the best option for the Chicago Bears with that ninth overall pick. He's the Ohio State left tackle. And there was actually a trio of offensive linemen that Ohio State had in this pro day that all are well draftable and will be top 100 picks and likely at least a couple of them top 50 picks, maybe even two first rounders. We'll kind of go through the Ohio State offensive linemen that could be in consideration with the ninth overall pick or the Bears' second round picks next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because FanDuel right now is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets right back to you if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And just because we're in the offseason doesn't mean there isn't plenty to bet on. You can bet on the NFL draft, on whether C.J. Stroud will be the first overall pick, which is right now the odds-on favorite at FanDuel. You can bet on which wide receiver will be the first wide receiver drafted. Right now, the favorite, Jackson Smith and Jeeba from Ohio State. A bunch of other positions you can bet on as well, plus all of your other sports, the March Madness Tournament, NBA playoffs around the corner, and much more. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and NBA. Well, Jackson Smith Najiba gets the excitement and the hype because he's a wide receiver, fantasy football, direct connection to Justin Fields in that way. Paris Johnson, I think, is a name that, especially as free agency has played out and the Bears haven't signed a right tackle by the at the moment I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday, that makes a lot of sense that you could, at the number nine overall pick, draft an offensive lineman, particularly an offensive tackle that you could either put at right tackle or potentially move Braxton Jones to right tackle and put that pick at left tackle. Of course, there's Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. There's some debate as to whether he'll play guard in the NFL, which seems likely, even if some teams may want to try him at tackle first. But Paris Johnson, there's no doubt, this is an offensive tackle. And it's an offensive tackle that I think you could put at either position. He played left tackle this past season for Ohio State. It was his first year starting at left tackle. The year before, he was their regular starter at right guard. So positional versatility there at tackle and guard. I mean, he's he's built like an offensive tackle. He's got all of the physical tools, size, speed, strength, fluidity, etc. Like he, if you're looking to like mold your perfect offensive tackle, you know, he's 6'6", 315 pounds with 36-inch arms and he moves really, really well. Like that's everything you're looking for tools-wise from an offensive tackle. Technique-wise, still a work in progress. And you know, it was his first year bumping out to left tackle, so there's always going to be some adjustment to that. And that's one of the things that strikes out for him, uh, or stands out for him a little bit, is just experience and a guy that you feel like if once he gets more experience that he can really round out his game. But, like, for example, kicking out from right guard to left tackle, he's really finds himself, I think, when he's out in space like that, like moving his feet all over the place. Like he's just trying to keep the feet moving to stay in front of guys to make sure that he's not letting them get, pad, get by him. And because his feet are constantly moving and kind of just – on their own path sometimes, he doesn't end up getting as sturdy of a base underneath him. And it's not because he's not strong enough. It's purely just technique-wise. He's not getting good leverage as a result, not getting a good extension on his body because his feet are so wide, it's not as compact. And his base ends up kind of getting him a little bit off balance as as a result. And plus, I think from the from the shoulders up, the, the hands tend to be a little bit robotic too, right? He's a little bit too... 
it's almost like he's thinking about it too much. He's like the machine, like the rock'em, sock'em, robot of sorts. It's just like it, it kind of just goes, and it's like it's not natural. It's not – it doesn't feel as it, – it's intentional, but it's like it's too intentional. Like it's not instinctual. It's intentional. It's like he's – it's punch, it's punch, it's punch. It's not like playing to what's coming to him. It's kind of just like trying to follow a rhythm or trying to follow the rules that he was taught for offensive line. And that's, those both seem like the kind of things that like get, put him at one position – whether it's left or right tackle, draft him, say you're playing this, leave him there, let him master that for a year or two with good NFL coaching. He certainly was getting good coaching at Ohio State, but you know, continue the same kind of voice in his head, working through those things and getting more experience under his belt because he was really that two-year starter in college. And I think you can really see the potential to take all of the great tools that he has physically and just refine some of the technical stuff to make him truly great because he was still really good at Ohio State, even with the feet all over the place even with the, the hands being a little bit too robotic and not super, super natural, he still played really well and looked like a guy who's a first-round pick. And then you add in, like, he's got the tools and can just clean them up a little bit, and you could really be, like, a top-end Pro Bowl potential offensive tackle. I think there's some Pro Bowl potential for the other offensive tackle at Ohio State, Dewan Jones, because they just don't make offensive tackles or offensive linemen, period. They don't make NFL players built like Dewan Jones. We talked about him... When we were down at the Senior Bowl, we watched him practice one day and then he kind of left practice with a quote unquote injury and didn't participate anymore and didn't and hasn't didn't really participate much at the pro day because he, he's really good and doesn't need I don't think he needs to show all that much more. He's six foot eight and a half. So almost six foot nine, three hundred and seventy five pounds. But like I I interviewed him and I stand next. I stood next to him like there is not the, the body weight on there. It's all good weight. He doesn't have like a gut. You know what I mean? He's got, I mean, he's got humongous legs, thighs, calves, rear end. And just, I mean, his body is thick, but it's not fat, right? There's not this extra tubbiness hanging off of him. This is not when we remember like Albert Hainsworth getting his $100 million contract and then showing up to the Washington uh, out of shape. Like he is in really good shape for a 375-pound guy in large part because he can stretch it out over an almost six-foot-nine frame. He is big. He is strong and he will beat you up. When he gets your hands on you, you're not going anywhere because he will just grab you and you will stop in your tracks. That's how Dewan Jones works. Now, you just can't go through him. Instead, you go around him because at that size, he's a little slow. You, you just can't expect a guy that big to also be able to move super, super fast. It's just not how physics works. But he knows that and he's a smart offensive tackle. You can see it in the way he plays. So when he knows the guy across from him has speed, he can set you know, as he goes back into a set, preparing for speed, knowing you're not going to get around me. I'm going to make you have to go through me. Then I get my hands on you and you're done. So like he he knows his limitations and he knows his strengths. and He knows how to absolutely take advantage of both of those. Very solid technique comparatively to Paris Johnson, who's a little bit more out there, but still plays really well, just doesn't need as good technique because of the some of the physical gifts that he, he has. The problem with Dewan Jones is that because he's so big and doesn't move so well, like if you are fast enough where you, you he does you do keep his hands off of you. It can be a little bit hard for him to recover, to kind of have to like turn, get out of his stance and get back in place to block somebody. That can be a real challenge. But also I think having a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, like DeWan Jones can recover. He just needs a little help. And if, you know, if say his speed guy starts going around the edge, if Fields steps up, then DeWan Jones can be right there to then once again be in the way of the pass rusher and be right back in it. Like it's not that DeWan Jones single-handedly recovered, but like he will still be there to be in position again. He just needs a little bit of extra help to catch up from the quarterback, you know, stepping up or stepping around and using that mobility just a little bit. Like he's 
he wins. Like, it's not like he struggles all the time with speed. Like, he's been a consistent performer at Ohio State. And, of course, like, a mauler in the running game. So it's not like this inconsistency. It's just you know his strengths and weaknesses as a part of his skill set, and you can work within those and get a really good, solid right tackle. Not a left tackle in the NFL, but a really solid right tackle. I think he's a first-round pick. I think the teams are going to fall in love with those tools and feel like, yes, He's a no, he's not going to be a number nine overall pick. He's not, I wouldn't consider him with that spot, but I think he I think he belongs late in the first round. But he could be an option in the second round. And if he's there when the Bears pick later in the second round, absolutely sign me up for him as a as a starting caliber right tackle. But I don't think he'll last that long. I think at worst it's sort of early second round, maybe mid second round. But I, I don't know. He feels to me like a guy that a team will fall in love with and be willing to take at the end of the first round. Those three are the three that are really like first round caliber guys in my brain, but there's a couple other guys that, that were part of the pro day practice that are pro day workouts that aren't, aren't in consideration for number nine. Maybe the bears two second round picks might be a little bit early for them, but if, as we get in, especially into the third round or maybe into the fourth round, a couple of Ohio state guys that were Justin Fields teammates that the bears were there to scout at the pro day that would fit key needs for the Chicago bears, even if they're not as exciting or not as, uh, not as well-rounded as the guys we've been talking about so far. But We'll talk about some of the other guys, the less heralded names that we should still keep an eye on from Ohio State next on Locked on Bears. Everyone was there to see Jackson Smith Najiba. Everyone was there to see Paris Johnson. Everyone's there to see CJ Stroud, really, but we're not talking about him today. But pro days have a lot of players. The Bears have a lot of picks, and sometimes it's the other guys that that the Bears can be there paying even more attention to, trying to get that extra intel, because, of course— you know, they, they got to see Dewan Jones at the Senior Bowl. Do they need to see a lot more from him? You know, they've I'm sure they've been scouting Jackson Smith and Najiba for a couple of years now, given how good he was last year. But, for example, another offensive lineman, Luke, I don't know if it's Wipler or Whipler, the center from Ohio State. It's W-Y-P-L-E-R. I think it's Wipler, but I'm not I'm not positive. Ohio State starting center. Played very well. Like, he's, he's a good, solid college football center who's got pro potential here. You know, I think he's really technically sound, really good leverage, but some of that comes from being on the smaller side and he's not humongous. I think he's like what six foot three hundred ish pounds, but even more so than like the height, it's it's the arms. That he is he has among the shortest arms of anybody in this draft. There are I think they're like 30, 31. Excuse me, he's six three. I'll give him an extra three inches of height, but the arms is what's more important. I think they're like thirty one inch arms. It's not quite T Rex level make fun of the guy, but that that can cause some problems in terms of leverage and you know, longer pass rushers being able to get his hands on you before you get your hands on them. And that's something that you just can't coach. I mean, you can't fix, you can't change. It's inherent to, you know, who he is and and his body and all that stuff. So there become some limitations there, right? He's, he's not great at, at anchoring. He's not super strong. He could use a little bit extra weight in that regard. And when you kind of combine short arms and, and not a lot of like lower body strength to get anchored, the guys can get their long arms under his pads and bull rush him. And that's why he's not a first round guy. That's why he's not a, a second round guy. Like he's, he moves well and he's got really good technique and he knows how to stay low and try and win with the pad level. He's smart. I think there's a, a relatively high floor there if he like he gets it, right? But I, you wonder if the ceiling is, is kind of low given some of the physical limitations there. That's why, you know, I, I think a lot of mock drafts have him in the third round range. Certainly I'd be even more comfortable with him in the fourth round range, a guy who could come in, compete to start at center and at the very least be a really solid backup. But I think if you're going to draft him in the third or fourth round, you expect him to become a starter 
And I think he's got, I mean, he looks like he can hold, he can hold his own as a starter. There's just going to be some known limitations. And you think perhaps with his intelligence, his football IQ and his smart, you know, his, his, his technique as well, that he can make up for it with good guard play next to him and also being smart as far as making out the right calls and the protections at the line of scrimmage. On the other side of the ball, defensive line, the Ohio State Buckeyes have uh, the edge rusher, Zach Harrison, who's another one of these like built in the mold of the type of pass rushers or edge rushers, especially that Matt Eberflus likes. He's big, he's long, and he's strong. He's got really long arms. He's like six foot six, you know, 270, 275 pounds. I don't remember exactly what he was listed at, and but also was a sprinter in high school. So, you know, like, he he got he's got some long speed there. Maybe it's not he's not a guy who looks super explosive out of his stance, but like once he gets going, he can he can get running with a head of steam behind him. The problem is he's very very stiff. He is not a bendy pass rusher by any means. It's just his whole pass rushing operation feels very raw. It's like he doesn't have a a, a great plan of what is he like he's always kind of thinking. You can, you can kind of see he's like deliberately about like okay. Where am I going to try and go? What am I going to try and do? And it's just not, it's not natural. It's not instinctive for him. It's just not something that, you know, he does very well working laterally in that way. When he can just square you up. So like, especially in the running game, that dude can set an edge and he can use that length and that strength and just snap, get his hands under your pads, jolt you back, hold that edge and maybe make a play in the backfield. Like he's very good in that area of his game, but pass rush is where you make your money. Pass rush is where you're going to get drafted early and it needs a lot of work. You feel like it's there. He's got the body for it and he's got some of the physical tools for it. But, you know, you wonder how long it's going to take him to get there. Not only does he need to develop more pass rush moves, but also a plan for those moves and stringing them together. And there's, it feels like there's a certain extent of like a lot of work there. There's, there's questions as to how attainable that potential upside is that again, falls him down, drops him down a bit in a draft class that has some very good edge rushers at the top. Not a first round guy, not a second round guy. Third, third round guy, maybe fourth round guy if you're if you're lucky, but probably going to be a third round guy who you know right away he'll be solid. You can hold up on first and second down, like pat, running down down situations. He'll be there. He'll be fine. You're not too worried about Zach Harrison. Do you have to take him out, off the game on third downs and rotate in other pass rushers for now? Yeah, Is, can you get away with that as a third round pick right now? Yeah, but you got to hope he develops into a pass rusher, or else you know what? what how valuable is that? a good run defending edge rusher in the modern day NFL. There's some, there's some value there, but ideally you aim a little bit higher, hope for something higher with one of your third round picks. One other guy that worked out at the pro day that I want to throw in real quick. is not eligible for this year's draft, but the sort of the feeling was that a lot of GMs were there just to get their eyes in person on Marvin Harrison Jr. The other wide receiver. He was a sophomore this year, so he's not eligible for the draft, but he is bona fide Number one wide receiver, likely the number one receiver in the draft next year. Right now projected to be a top five pick in next year's draft. Way too early to really say that for sure. But I mean, he's six foot four, 205 pounds, built like a number one receiver, runs like a number one receiver, makes plays like a number one receiver. We're talking like a Jamar Chase style of draft pick where it's just like, yep, get that guy. You're very happy with what he's going to turn out to be. Still one more year of college to see from Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's a guy that I think a lot of Bears fans have been circling as an option for next year's draft with the Bears having two first round picks and maybe that Carolina Panthers first round pick being a top 10 pick and maybe the Bears bone pick is possible, could be in the top 10 too, probably not, but you never know, or packaging those picks to move up to get somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, 
he's exciting. And he was catching passes from C.J. Stroud during the workout just because Stroud needed receivers to catch passes and then kind of come in and have whoever you want catch those passes. So they said, sure. Well, all the GMs and head coaches and scouts are there. Let's put Marvin Harrison Jr. out there and let everybody watch him run some routes. So Bears got another up-close-and-personal look at him as a sneak peek for next year's NFL draft. You're never going to catch me on this podcast talking very much about an NFL draft a year ahead of time, even more than like six months ahead of time. We don't, we don't, we don't talk too much NFL draft until like the offseason immediately before that year's draft. So don't worry, we're not going to be having big Marvin Harrison Jr. discussions here on the podcast, but we are going to break down more of the prospects the Bears could be looking at with that ninth overall pick in the coming days and weeks. So make sure then you hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears podcast. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making the Lockdown Bears podcast your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, check out all of our other Lockdown Chicago sports shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day it includes Lockdown Bulls, Lockdown Cubs, Lockdown White Sox, Lockdown Blackhawks, Lockdown Illini and Northwestern as well. Or if your other teams are not Chicago teams, that's fine too. We've got a Lockdown Podcast Network podcast for you. So go make one of those your second listen. Come on back tomorrow for Lockdown Bears to make us your first listen once again. And of course, you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.